kids. Welcome to the Capital Life Podcast. I am your host, Abby Pagood. This is where we talk about all the things that life brings. The good, the bad, and the healthy. Our subject of the day today is educating today's learners for tomorrow's world. What more appropriate than discussing education when we are watching all our youth getting back to school? But before we dive in, I wanted to remind all of you guys that you can still have an opportunity to become a Capital Health founder. And becoming a Capital Health founder is getting advantages of the Capital Health app that is soon to debut in the next coming months. Um, I'm super excited about this. My developers have sent me over some of the uh, quick sneak peeks to see if the layout is right and the style is right and it is starting to look very exciting. So I am super excited about it. If you guys are interested in figuring out how to become a Capital Health founder, all you have to do is go to capitalhealth.com. That's K-A-P-I-T-O-L health.com. And right now you have a huge opportunity to be able to save three months for a one-year subscription and six months free for a two-year subscription. So if you guys are interested in that, those sales will never be as good again. And they are only available for the pre-sale before the app comes out. Next, our capital partner of the month needs a huge recognition shout out because Shauna Newmeyer always loves to keep my lashes lengthy and full and vibrant. And to tell you, when I do not have my lashes, I feel like, I don't know, a sickly. I look like I am sick or I'm going through chemo or like, some. I just, I, I mean, my lashes are gone. They're not there. There's no color. My face look washed. I just look sickly. So for those of you that like to have some full, luscious, luscious lilacs of a of a fluttering eye. I don't even know how to describe that. Go check out lashingouttx.com and schedule an appointment with Shauna Neumeyer today. She not only does the lashes, she also does the plasma fibroblast. She also does teeth whitening. And I believe she's working on reducing stretch marks as well, which if you've had kids or if you've fluctuated with your weight and gone up and down, you might be suffering from some of those stretch marks and she might be able to help you out with that. So let's get into it. Educating today's learners for tomorrow's world. Well, what does that even really mean? Well, let's start talking about our education system for one, right? Now, I know there's a lot of like political hooey out there about, you know, what are we doing with our kids or people fearing of indoctrination and all of these different things, which, you know, I understand, like when I hear the word indoctrination, I really just think of the word doctor. And then I'm thinking, how can that be a bad thing? But then, however, we we have to really focus on what is our education system doing? Now, I don't want to get into the political hooey out there about what you think kids are having pushed on them and what they're not, because it's not happening in all the schools and it's not happening in all the states. And it's completely different everywhere you go, which can I remind you that happens anywhere that you freaking go when you have 
an education system, when you have a town, towns function differently, local areas function differently. And on top of it, you know, if you don't like the school that your kid goes into, you have the free choice of putting them into one that you do. Now, some of us don't really necessarily have those choices if they don't have the financial means to put their kid through private school. However, you do always have a choice to move. And as much as we convince ourselves that we're like, oh, well, I can't for work or I can't afford it or whatever, there's always different options out there to try and get your kid into a different facility. Your kid may need more special attention or what, or they might be able to transfer. You check out what the rules are with your city, um, city and state before you even start thinking, contemplating that you're like at a loss. I mean, our situation with our kids is that we completely, um, we noticed that a lot of our schools in the McKinney area were actually really good and really great. However, we noticed that some of the schools, especially the schools that we pour into, were not doing their due diligence like they were on the other side of town. And so because of that, and I don't know if that has to do with their leader or their board support or whatever it has to do with, all I do know is that when it came to my kid, there was a lot of mainstream disruptions. And some of that has to do with the fact that, you know, she's in fifth grade. She was in fifth grade. She's now in eighth grade, but she was in fifth grade. You know, boys will be boys. Girls start getting dramatic. All the things start to happen. And so what we started noticing was that things were changing. And we could tell that the things, the behavioral systems that high schools usually possess, where if it, some if a child's getting rowdy, rowdy or they're falling behind, they usually implement some kind of reward system. I'm a huge and firm believer that children should not be kicked out of school or removed from school, especially from misbehavior. I believe that they might have to be isolated and put into a different learning environment to which they can find purpose again for their own education. But in, but you still have to have those um, systems in play in order for them to work. And with my daughter's school, they did not have that situation going. And the next school that she went into, even though the middle school has had a very good reputation, the high school is starting to have some of their concerns. And so I just want everybody to remember that you ha always have a choice. You always have a choice no matter what it is when it comes to you, your health, your decisions with your family, your belief systems, all of it. You always have a choice. It may be difficult and it may be a course of that you never even thought that you would have to take, but you always have that choice. And with our family, that is what we decided to do. We did not see that some of the school, we don't have the option to be able to move right now, not just for affordability, but also the caretaking of my mother and our situation. We have a good home that we really love and we stay here. And you know, in maybe in the future, there might be an opportunity to move. But right now, it doesn't look like we're going anywhere for a while. So in, in the only thing that we can control is say, hey, you know what? We can't afford to put her, them into public schools. But what we can do is we can change the way that they get their education or at least minimize some of the drama. And so therefore, we made the strong decision to homeschool, which is something I never thought would come out of my words being a, you know, Chicagoan raised person. Homeschool was not something that really falls off the tongue a lot in the Chicago area. So that was a really big decision for us to make, but we are aware that we had conscious choice. Now, really, what is the primary focus of, you know, educating today's learners for tomorrow's world? Well, 
there's so much going on right now and we've talked about you know the different viewpoints of things but really what i want to look at is what are we missing from our education system okay like when i was a kid i remember when you had home ec or you used to see the girls walking around with little fake babies to try and teach them what happens if you you know end up having a child young like really giving you that rude awakening you had you know, like the girls went to home ec and, you know, and they had the sewing classes and the boys went over to the wood shop and the other things. Now, actually, a couple years after that, I noticed that they started making them more anybody that was of interest to jump into those classes. What didn't end up being like a gender thing. It ended up being like a free for all of, you know, hey, skills are skills. Which one are you interested in? Jump in and do it. And so that's where everything ended up going, which was fantastic. So, I really love that they had those classes, but one of the things I noticed in particular was that, you know, when we got into high school, they had a mandatory economics class, which they involved cooking, and they explained credit cards and rent and things of that nature, but one, you were a junior, which half the time that you go to class, you're in and out, dazed and confused because you're just bored out of your mind or you're just dreading you know, the lasted time that you have in class. Two, it makes a really strong teacher that has to be able to get those a subject like that. Because, I mean, even when I talk to my husband and we are discussing our insurance or we're discussing our budget, there's just this glazed overlook that comes over him. And then you realize, oh, shit, if I'm going to keep his attention, I'm really going to have to, you know, speak you know, our goal, future goals with our current goals so that we can try and incorporate all of those things. So it's really like, you know, if, if adults start glazing over, over the fine details of insurances and investments, what the hell do you think is happening with a freaking junior in high school? So to me, I'm sitting there thinking, okay, that's great. I'm glad the class is there. I'm glad it's mandatory. I'm glad you have to pass the class. But the other thing, too, is that it was only one freaking semester. It was not, it wasn't a full year, and it definitely did not, you didn't hear anything about it beforehand. And to perfectly honest, we had a very sweet teacher, but she was just kind of a mousy of a person, very delicate, very, you know, soft-spoken, you know, when she was, you know, reaching out to the class to get feedback on if everyone was following or paying attention, you know, kids were dismissive yeah 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 we're we were following you you know and then making small talk behind her back like that it classically happens they're juniors they're high school kids so what did you expect but what it really comes down to is why haven't we started having these classes or at least the concept of what to expect with life in our school systems at an earlier age why have we not implemented them as soon as these kids can add and subtract Start teaching them about money and what to do with it and how it works for you. Why is this not in our system? And that's really what the things that I think that need to happen with our education system. You know, like they when um, my son went in, he like he went into school and he around I think it was maybe seventh grade or something they started switching things to like core learning they did the same thing with my daughter which means like you know how I learned how to do math or how my husband had to do how to do math it was like all ass backwards and it was so confusing and it was like okay was it necessary to change 
it for the language of the future kids? Was it necessary? Is that going, is that where the world is going to evolve is into that core dynamics? I mean, there's only so much of explaining why two plus two equals four that you can do. And there was a lot of like, I understand that there was the push to figure out why and wanting to drive kids to understand why. But what we're forgetting is sometimes it's the individual child. It's that rare Elon Musk child that asks the questions. Not third, not every single 30 kid in a class is going to be able to have that depth and that curiosity to venture out. You know, some of us, our curiosities are not in mathematics or in sciences. Some of them are in the human body or they're in, you know, the mapping of the world and all these other different things. So we have to really make sure that we're making plans that are designated for our future kids, but also making sure they make sense for the future when we're going forward on it. Um, and one of the things that I've noticed is when it comes to, especially my older son, who's 24, he turns 25 in January, the number one thing that has been the most impressionable, but at the same time rough, it was the fact of just adulting in general. Our young adults are having a really hard time, you know, living in adult the adult world. And it's not necessarily because we haven't, I, I feel like, it's not entirely that we didn't prepare them, but at the same time, it's completely because we did not prepare them. And part of it's because, you know, we sit there and we want to have our children have a better life than our own, and they did. But at the same time, in doing so, we sometimes didn't give them as many chores or we didn't teach them certain things at an earlier age so that it didn't act, they didn't get acclimated to it. They didn't start thinking that it was normal. I did start doing... Um, introduction to laundry and things like that right around like 14, 15 um, years old because, you know, no offense, but like teenagers, they start getting stinky. And I am like, no, I think it's time for you to deal with your own undergarments. I just think that it is time. And so that's really when I start handing things off and they get frustrated with it. But at the same time, if we don't start instilling, like taking out the trash and doing the dishes and doing just the basic common things as part of our caretaking, we aren't teaching them and educating them. And so therefore, when they get slammed into the rent and the job and the schools and all of the things that they have to deal with, they feel very overwhelmed and it's like they have to start over from scratch. And I feel like what we should be doing in our school systems is implementing more like living factors of how to take care of yourself into our daily teachings of things that should be starting at a very, very early age. Because if we do that, they'll have the time to acclimate. They'll have the time to, you know, have it be a normal part of their living and so they will not be struggling as much with it. So I think it's better for you to start teaching these responsibilities earlier in life so that you can you don't have them have a setback or they don't have that uh, rough lesson going forward. I mean, can you can you imagine what the world would be like if we didn't if we had no electricity or we had to make our own food or you know having to wash our clothes on one of those freaking metal racks and it would just like just washing one clothing item could take you 5 minutes i mean if we can't deal like thank goodness we don't have to endure that but i 
am constantly visually seeing tons of children that are having anxieties walking into a grocery store or having to deal with just having to go into public with other people and they're having a meltdown from that. Whatever happened to the days where people had to walk three or four miles to be able to get to a doctor's appointment or go into the local town to go to the grocery store? That used to be a thing. Now kids today, if you told them they had to walk three miles in the fields all the way across to get to one location, they would pretty much have a panic attack. So we need to start reevaluating how we're approaching these things and making sure that our kids are being able to process what's going on with them, but also make sure that we are developing them so that they can provide self-care, but also have a good thinking head on their shoulders to know what's right for them and what aligns. So if you are finding this helpful or insightful in any way, please do not forget to follow us on Facebook and YouTube at Capital Health. You can also visit us at capitalhealth.com, that's K-A-P-I-T-O-L, health.com, and subscribe to our newsletter to get updates for when we have new episodes that drop in addition to blog posts and education and all the fun things. So don't forget to tune in and make sure that you like and subscribe. When it comes to influencing the next generation and teaching healthcare practices, I think the first step is that we have to stop brushing them off. Now, what do I mean by that when I say brushing them off? So, one, I am like a huge fan of making sure that people are doing self-care. Adults are some of the worst self-care representatives for themselves, period. First of all, we are our own worst enemy. Even though we hurt and we need to stretch, we'll find a reason that we don't, we can't do it or we haven't been able to do it yet. Sometimes that may be a lack of education of knowing how to. And in other terms, it might be the fact that, you know, we're, we get to the point where we're just overstrapped and we're overworked and we're just done. And at the end of the day, we're like, oh, I'll just push through and not a big deal. But the thing that we're forgetting is that that sets the example for our younger generation. That sets the example about the importance. If you don't value yourself, how do you expect them to value themselves? How are you expecting them to also learn how to take care of others? I constantly point out that mothers are the first people to sacrifice from their day in and daily needs on a regular. If a kid is sick, they cancel their day. If a kid, um, if a, if a husband needs some assistance with something, they'll stop doing, they'll stop doing the top things that on their list to go and help out. That's perfectly fine. Those things need to be done. That's just what happens when life happens. But if you don't make sure that you create, create the change of plan so that you're still incorporating your needs and your to-dos on top of adjusting to the um, what would you call it? The unexpected things in life that need to get done. Then you're not, you're actually eliminating your self-care needs and then you put all your shit in the back burner. And when you do that, you're putting all of your workout, your nutrition, your like all of the things that you need to do for yourself, the meditating, the stress relief, all of it, you're putting it on the back burner and then you're never, then you find yourself bogged down and overwhelmed and then trying to figure out how to catch up. And we don't need to sit there and say, oh, 
How are we constantly feeling? If we're constantly feeling in the need of catching up, then we're constantly stressing ourselves out, which then defeats the purpose of our self-care regimen. Correct? Yes. So what I would like to say is that we need to start teaching our future generations about more of our health care practices, educating them on their nutrition, educating them on corporations that deceive them on a regular and how they function. Just the other day, my daughter and I were in the grocery store. And of course, like she's a teenager now, so she's starting to want like, you know, soda from time to time. Now, I'm normally a very strict like no soda in the house rule. However, with my son, when he was a teenager, you know, I would have sodas in the house, but I would only buy a certain amount of soda for each month. And then if he ran out, it was gone. So, you know, knowing him, he would end up drinking it all like in a week or something. And then, of course, he had nothing for three weeks, but that was his choice. Now, with my daughter, I put more of an implemented rule of she's allowed to have her soda on the weekends. So she can have one soda on the weekends. It ends up being more like two because she ends up asking on Friday and Saturday and I don't care. And then that's that's the end of it. But the primary point to this lesson is that we went into the grocery store we started looking at the different sodas that were available, and I explained to her, you know, they had the little, tiny little, I don't know if it's one liter bottles or whatnot, but they, you know, they got the hourglass shaping bottle um, of them, and they were listed for like $2.19, right? When you know that the soda that's in there is like 10, 10, 12 cents tops, but then on top of it, so I told her, I was like, actually, you should get, if you're going to get one of those, it's better to get a liter, not one of, you know, a, a large two liter bottle, not one of those like small dinky ones. And then I started explaining to her how much it actually costs, like manufacturing of the plastic for the bottles. And then in addition to the um, syrup to which the soda is made from and adding carbonated water to like, you know, make mixed with the sugars and blah, 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 and how a lot of that's like pre-made. When you go to um, any kind of fast food joint, when you get like a large drink, how much was that did it take to create that for them to buy? Okay, after you take that price, which usually I think it's around like 19 cents, like if you went through a drive through and got a large soda, I think the total cost the company pays for each of those drinks is like 19 cents, where they're charging around two bucks. That's a huge freaking profit margin. So we started having these conversations on why, like what happens with these companies, how much of a profit margin they get, and every time you're pouring your money into it, that's less money in your pocket and 10,000 times more money in theirs. And so we started having that conversation. And one of my favorite books that I absolutely adore is called Food Politics. I read it in college and it became an instant favorite of mine. And the reason is, is because it goes through how society can so much influence where we go and where we focus our health care choices, especially when it comes to foods. So one of the things in food politics that they start to discuss is how the, the food pyramid, right? We all remember the food pyramid from when we were a kid, recommendations, of your fruits and vegetables and fats and all of that stuff. And here's that pyramid chart. Now, the interesting thing is, is that back in the 1920s, when they originally were really trying to get the food guide pyramid up and running, the people that were on the board 
to decide the recommendations for overall were not doctors and physicians. They were people from the food industry. It was your people that were the dairy representatives, the meat representatives. All of your different types of food industry departments were the people that were on the board. So when the recommendations were selected, you would see that there would be a fluctuation of recommendation for dairy or meat, etc. And what would happen is during that time, let's say dairy was the like primary people that was saying, oh, make sure you get your dairy in. They ended up financially benefiting. Then people, other people in the food departments would get upset and be like, hey, when's my turn? So then they would up the meat recommendation and then they would up the other departments. And so every, so it ended up being this really big influential factor and it was all money driven. Instead of actually following the very basic, the original that came out, because the original that came out the food industry ended up realizing that they weren't getting as many sales because they were actually eating adequate servings. They were eating three to four ounces of protein, not five to six ounces. They weren't eating meat multiple times. They weren't eating red meat multiple times a week. They were eating it two or three times a week. They actually had the original food guide that the U.S. came out with actually was the most accurate for every individual. And instead, what ended up happening was corporate um overlay ended up being pissed off that they weren't making the monies and they started changing that decision. So those are kind of things I think that's really important that we need to start talking to our youth about. And it's because if we start explaining to them how those systems work, it might help them start to understand not only their financial perspective in the future, it'll also help them make the decisions that they need to do for their body in addition to really figuring out what aligns with them. So we need to start opening up and having those conversations because I really hate to point it out, but you know, there's that old saying that you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Well, it's not that the new, the old dog can't get the new tricks. It's that it's less possible because one, the interest, two, they, um, kind of get, comfortable with their habits, right? You know, like you, you get comfortable into your red regime of just doing your, the way you do things and then having to do something outside of your norm is, can be a little bit more exhausting because you don't have the patience. You're a little worn out. And so they have a tendency to repeat the same behaviors over and over again. So why are we not instilling these lessons into our children? Let's start doing it now. Thank you so much for joining me today on another episode of The Capital Life where we talk about all the things. Join me next Saturday at 5.30 as we discuss prepping yourself. And if you really want to know what that means, then you got to tune in. So don't forget to like and subscribe and follow. You can follow us on YouTube and Facebook at Capital Health. And you can also catch us on all your podcasting platforms, the iHeartRadio, the Spotify, the iTunes, even the Foreign Invader platforms. I'm just saying, I made sure, I made a mission to get make sure you had all these different platforms to get it from, and you are on it. So you can find us anywhere. Remember to take care of yourself because you're somebody's everything.